George Jets, aka the Preaker, and in the building. Oh my goodness, we got somebody in the building today, y'all. This woman right here is phenomenal. She's doing so many things, and her story, mm, her story is just amazing. So I'm super excited to have her here. Before I even introduce her, I am going to go ahead and get into this word of prayer because y'all know your girl gets super excited. I start preaking and talking and forget to even pray. Hello, and it's called praying and preaking. And so I got to get this word of prayer in and then I'm going to introduce my guest and we are going to get this thing started. So dear heavenly father, Lord, we just come right now. First and foremost, God, honoring you for this day, honoring you right now for allowing us to see another day, Lord God, another day to, to be amongst the living, Lord God, as the older folks used to say, and we just didn't understand. But now, as you get older, Father God, you understand. So we just thank you. We honor thank you. you praise you, God. Lord, I ask right now that you take my guest, Father God, and that you just allow her to be who she is, Lord God, Lord, everything yes, that God. she puts her hands to, Father God, I am manifesting blessings upon blessings yes, upon God. blessings, Lord God, that she will touch so many, Lord God, with her story, Lord God, with her books, God. Lord God, with her ministry, Lord God, with the words that she continues to flow from her heart in her mind, Lord God. You, God. Lord, now we just ask that this conversation, that we just have a good time, Lord God, in yes, your God. word. And all we ask is that we, if we just can touch one, Lord God, of course yes, we want to touch more, but if we just touch one, if we yes, just Lord. transform one, Lord God, if we just get one to say, what must I do to, to be, be saved? saved? Then yes, we will God. be glad, honey. We will rejoice and we will be glad. So, Lord, we thank you. Let us have thank laughter, you, Lord God. Let us have fun. Let them know, Father God, that you created everything, Lord God. Yes, and everything. everything is for the glory and for the good. So we yes. thank you. We honor you. We thank praise you. you. We magnify you in his yes. name. Amen. In Jesus Amen. Name. Amen. 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 Yes. Amen again. Amen. 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 That was a lot of prayer. Usually I don't pray that long when I'm on here, but I was feeling that thing this morning. That's great. It must be you. It must be you. Say, you know what? All right. Well, let me give y'all her name. Cause see, I'm acting silly because you know, as I was you are and you know i'm silly too so i was like yes it's gonna be real fun because i was watching some of your videos cracking up but in the building today y'all i have none other than tiara graves and just introduce yourself i i, I let my guests introduce 
Well, I introduced you, but I let them talk about themselves because nobody knows you better than you other than our Heavenly Father. So I'm going to sip on my coffee while you tell the people what you want them to know about who you are. All right. Well, I greet you all in the master's name of Jesus Christ, who is head of my life. Mm. And I am Tiara Graves. I am a poet, an author. I am a teacher by day. And most of all, I am a woman of God. I am a child of God. And because of God and because of the anointing that he has on my life is the reason I am who I am and that I don't look like what I've been through. Mm. So I am a mouthpiece. I am a voice for those who may feel trapped or may feel in bondage. God has healed me and allowed me to speak on your behalf. And I pray that something I say will encourage you all to fight another day because I've been fighting for the past 10 years or more, but I am healed. And I thank God for everything that he has done in my life and everything that he continues to do in my life and use me for the upbuilding of the kingdom. Mm, y'all better come on in here. I told y'all y'all better be ready for this young lady right here. Cause let me tell you something. Woo-wee. When we listen, the first time when I, when I talked to, I met Tierra through one of my, my, my favorite people on, on the planet. And that is Brianna Duggar. So I got to give a shout out to my girl, Brianna. Yeah, me and Brianna, we going, she going to come on and sit down as well. And I met Tierra and then I said, Hey, want to come on my podcast? She said, yes. And so we had a, a meeting before that, our first initial talking and I'm like, that could have been the podcast right there because the stuff that we talked about and the stories and everything that she told me, it was just amazing. And so today we're just going to dive a little bit more into that, kind of revisit some things that you told me and just your story and how amazing. And my topic for today, and Tierra didn't even ask, like, what's the topic of the day? So what we're going to talk about today is I heard depression to destiny. And that is kind of what stood out. That was in my notes from last. I had so many. I mean, there was so many things I had highlighted that we could have used as a topic. But that kind of jumped off the page. And then I also had trauma to transformation. These were just some of the things that you were saying the last time we talked. But I really like that depression to destiny because I know that you are where you are and that your destiny is is right there. And it took a lot for you to get there. And so that's what I want to talk about. And so when you hear the word depression, like what comes up for you when you hear that word? So before I matured, let's start there before I matured, because all of this is a level of maturity. So when you become, um, like they say, a babe in Christ, you don't really understand a lot of things. And so when I first was diagnosed with depression, I was in my late 20s. Um, and I didn't really know what it was. Um, I was familiar with like other people in my family having some sort of mental illness just from encountering, you know, being around them. But to have that label placed on me, 
was like, that's absolutely not me. Like that is not me. There's no way that that is me or that I'm that I'm dealing with this. Um, and so I didn't really know what it was. And I fought against it for a very long time. And I think because of me fighting against it and not being honest with myself that I was really going through it is why it took me as long as it did to come out of it. Um, I wasn't just diagnosed with bipolar. I was diagnosed with, um, oh, I said depression. I said it backwards. <laughs> so I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, one, mm. um, depression disorder, and anxiety disorder. And then I also suffered with anxiety attacks. And um, one thing that I associate all of that with is having triggers. And so for me, my triggers were when I lost someone that I cared for. So anytime I lost a family member or anytime I lost just anything, the biggest thing for me was loss. So any kind of loss, mm -hmm. if I lost a job, if I lost, um, like I remember back when I first started school, I lost my academic scholarship. So every time I experienced a loss, then it was a trigger. And so that trigger led me into a deep depression. And although I didn't really understand it, I just had to like really do some self-evaluation and self-reflection. Um, like, is this really me? Is this really my life? And, mm. and like I said, I was a little bit older. Like most people get diagnosed, like I guess when they're younger. Mm -hmm. And so I was older. I was like 25-ish. And so I had already wasted six, six or seven years of college because I couldn't focus in school. Mm. And I had already, again, experienced some loss. So I lost my uncle was the first. Well, that wasn't the first loss, but that's the one that hit me the hardest. I lost my uncle when I was a junior in high school who was like a dad to me. So that loss. And then I never dealt with it. So another thing that that played a big role in my mental state was that I didn't know how to deal with grief. And so it just, everything just kept piling up and piling up. And because I didn't deal with it, it was just me holding everything inside. And so I always say now that I'm out of it, I'm a voice because all of those years that I went through that, I didn't have a voice and I wouldn't speak. That's how I knew that was another I guess side effect is that I wouldn't speak. I would completely shut down and I couldn't verbally communicate my feelings. And so depression, all it is is an emotion, but I couldn't put my emotions into words. Mm. So I didn't have a voice for all of those years. I just felt like I was going through life existing and not living. Wow. And so when God gave me that phrase, depression to destiny, it it just showed me that in order for me to truly be who he has called me to be, I have to be 100 percent healed from depression. Like I cannot walk in the calling or the purpose that he has on my life being depressed. Mm. Like I understand, like people say all the time, like God will use you in a dark place. And I'm like, yeah, he will. But is that really what he wants for you? Do you really 
think that God intended for you to be in a dark place to be used by him? No, God wants us to be happy. God wants us to be healed. God wants us to be in a bright light kind of place while he's using us. That's not Mm. saying that he can't because God absolutely, did he use me in a dark place? Absolutely he did. So my Mm -hmm. destiny started in depression. So Mm. it's not depression to destiny. It was depression and destiny was hand in hand because Mm. I was still walking in my destiny while being manic depressed. Mm. And wow, that's the whole, ooh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was able to teach. I mean, it followed me. Like, and that's another thing that I don't really, I've just started to talk about because it followed me. I graduated from college. I got in the workforce and depression still followed me. Mm. Like, I remember my first year as a teacher and I, because I was still dealing with depression and all of these emotions and all this stuff that was built up on the inside and I have not dealt with it. Again, not being able to use my voice and express how I feel. Mm-hmm. I spent the first year of my career eating lunch in my car. Mm. Mm, wow. Wow. And that, that kind of brings me to the next thing because, you know, uh, you just t- touched on it. Like, what does depression look like? You know, because some so many people are able to kind of fake it if you may you know and put up this mask and like you know everything looks great on the outside but they're not and then others truly show it you know and so like what did it look like for you I mean I mean that's eating in your car for a whole I mean like what some of the what are some of the other things or what did depression look like on you and were others able to to even see it or like what was that like so I was able to hide it for a long, like I was able to hide it. Well, one, when I first had told my family, like my dad at the time when he was alive, my dad, my mom, my siblings was like, oh no, that's not you. Like you don't have that. Like it's nothing wrong with you. And so because they didn't believe that something was really going on with me, they pushed it under the rug. Mm. And so the, it was like the people that I wanted to be able to express myself to rejected it. Mm. So it was like, okay, well, they don't believe me. So who else is going to believe me? And Mm. so for me, it was, that was a challenge. And then I was just able to, you know how they say you just put on a happy face and just smile and just go on. Like, that's what I did. So that's, again, that goes back to me not having a voice because I said, Mm. if no one believes me, then there's no point in me talking about it. So I didn't. So I suffered silently. And so many people, so many people are suffering in silence. Yeah, I I did a lot of things like I, um, I used to pull out my eyelashes. Wow. Because I wanted to feel some type of pain. And then I would hide my medicine. So the medications, like when I would go get the medicines, I wasn't actually taking them. And so, again, this had to everything to do with it because my family didn't believe me. So because I was those were the people that I was around the most and they didn't believe it. So it was like I can't let them see me taking medicine because they don't believe that I should. So I would go get my medicine, but I would hide it 
in brown paper bags. So when I came in the house, they would just think like, oh, that's her lunch or something. Mm. Not like, oh, she went to pick up a whole bunch of pills. Wow. Wow. So I did that for, give or take, I did that for, well, hiding my medicine, I did that for about at least five years. Hmm? Five years? Yeah. My God. They didn't know I was going to therapy. They didn't know anything. Like I, when I say I didn't talk about nothing, they didn't know anything. Like when I was going to doctor's appointments and stuff like that, like I would just tell them, oh, I'm going out to the store. I'll be back. And I come back, you know, like I said, I would have to come back with something from the store. So although I did go to the doctor, I would make a stop to a store to say, oh, I actually went to the store. So not only were you hiding it, but then now you're shopping and buying stuff that you probably yep. didn't even need. My goodness. Wow. Come home with different bags of stuff, shopping bags and all that. Like, oh, yeah, today was a great day. And it's in the back of my mind, like, oh, today was horrible. Like, I just had to sit here for an hour <laughs> with the psychiatrist that just got on my nerves. <laughs> and now she done my up goodness. my medicine because I went in there act a fool. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, we can laugh now, but that's like. Oh my God, that that I, I can't even imagine, you know, because like you said, the people closest to you who you need their support and you need their encouragement and them they're with you and they are not seeing. And and that happens a lot. I mean, yeah. it happens a lot. And unfortunately, like you said, that's then causes people to suffer in silence because mm -hmm. they don't have that support system or they don't have that group. And so I'm glad that God has healed you. And so that kind of just rolls right into my, so how did you go from this depression to your destiny then, and now becoming a mouthpiece? And I'm just so excited for you. And I'm really, really glad that God brought you out of that. But how did you transition from this depression into now walking into your destiny? So I've only been off of medication for a little over a year. So hey, that's a big step. That's the big thing. Don't, don't, don't. And it's don't not like I was consistent. No, yeah. I mean, I say that because part of my testimony or part of my story is that I'm, I am an advocate for medicine. I am an advocate for therapy and all of that because it does help. But that doesn't mean that my journey was that journey. Mm -hmm. because um, I, I fought against the medicine for two reasons. The first doctor that I had, she never really cared whether or not I got better. Mm. Her, her approach was just textbook. And it's like she separated textbook from actually being a human being. From actually caring. And so every time I would go see her, she would just up the medicine because of my behavior. Mm. So because of my behavior or because of the things that I was saying or because of my disposition or the way that I came off or my attitude, you know, however you want to term it, because of that and what she saw on the outside is she never knew what was going on on the inside. And so her her remedy was, oh, you need more medicine. And when I sat there and told her like, well, I'm not taking the medicine anyway. 
you know, I tried it, trying it and being consistent is two different things. I've never been consistent with any kind of medicine ever. Mm -hmm. And so I just got tired of the doctors, tired of going to see all these different people, tired of saying the same things over and over. Because every time you see a new doctor, you got to go through the process all over again. You got to get a new diagnosis or another diagnosis. And it's just a cycle. And I was tired of the cycle. And that's not saying that the medicine probably didn't help to some degree when I did take it. But because of me, like I said, looking back over the course of, I guess, give or take 10 years or more, it was more days that I didn't take the medicine than I did. And so I went to my last appointment, April of 2019. And I went to that appointment and I just sat there and I just cried. I just cried for an hour. I didn't say nothing. Mm. And the doctor was like, I don't know. I just don't know what to do. And I just was, I never said anything. Next thing I knew that I was up. And then at the end of the session, I just looked at him and was like, thank you for trying. I feel like we didn't accomplish much, but I did thank him for trying because I could see, I saw his heart aside from his college degree and all the stuff that he was taught in school. I saw his heart Mm -hmm. and I told him, I was like, you know, I really thank you for trying. I said, I don't know what happens to me when I walk out of your office. I said, but if this give you some type of peace, I'm going to say thank you for trying. And I walked out the office. I got in the parking lot. I stood in the parking lot. I ripped the prescription up in the parking lot. And I looked up to heaven. I said, God, if you do not do this. Mm. Take your time. My God. It's real, y'all. This stuff is real. I said, God, if you do not heal me from this, then I won't be healed because I'm never going back to the doctor. I'm never taking any more medicine. And I'm done with this process. Hmm. And I sat there and waited. Like I waited for me to do something stupid or I waited for a trigger. I waited to see if God even heard me. Hmm. Because I was like, well, if God heard me, then okay, he got my back. You know, God is a healer. God is a provider. This is all the stuff that we believe. Okay, well, I believe it. And God gonna have to prove himself because come on now. I'm done. Like I'm done. Real talk. I say I'm done. I'm not, I'm just not, I'm just not, I'm not doing this. I'm not living like this. I'm just not doing this no more. I'm not doing it. And so 
in my quiet time, God proved himself and showed me that his promises is real and that he would do everything that he had said he would do. And so, like I said, that's why now I've walked away from it all. And I've officially, like I said, been off of medication for over, well, since April of 2019. Because like I said, I, I ripped the prescription up in the parking lot. <laughs> and I kept saying that to myself. I was like, you know, if anything happens, if any, you know, anything goes, you know, how they say, if anything pops off, I have nothing to fall back on. I don't have a prescription. Mm. I don't have a doctor. <laughs> like, I don't have anything else to fall back on. So my trust and hope is in God and that he really got me this time. That's not saying that he didn't have me all the other times, but this was the time that I needed him to have me because mm. I had nothing left. Mm. Mm. That's the, listen here. I, I just, my, I've been saying this scripture, Malachi three and 10, and, and most people use that for tithes and offerings. And it says, bring all into the store, all your tithes and offerings into the storehouse. And tithes is just not monetary. It's other things. Like we can look at tithes as our talents, our gifts, our prayers, our requests, bring it all to him. And that's where you were. And a part, the last part of that, it says, put me to the test. He's saying, put me to the test. Try me and see if I will not open up the windows and pour out more than you can receive. But we have to get to that point where, like you said, where you trust him yeah. and where you truly, you give it to him like, okay. And, and if there's nothing saying that we can't question God, people always, I, I, I don't see not one scripture where it says that. But you better be ready now when he come for that answer. <laughs> right? You better be ready and be careful what you ask for. You know what I'm saying? But he, yeah. you, he wants us to come. Like, he wants us. He, he's our father. He wants us to come. And, you know, sometimes it, it, it's, you know, it takes either something traumatic for people to come. It takes change. I mean, there's so many things that really put us to that test where we just say, okay, I'm really going to turn it over to him and leave it there. And it's different for all of us. And so I just say kudos for you. Like that's, that's a big step. And for anyone, I mean, yeah, I, I left it there and I haven't looked back. <laughs> Woo! Yes. But that's the, see, that's the key. What did you just say? I have you not looked, looked back. You have not looked back. Exactly. Cause some, nope. we leave it there and then we keep turning back. We leave it there mm -hmm. and then we go pick it back up. And God can't do what he needs to do if we keep trying to do his job. Mm. Yep. So we can't do that. We can't do that. And so I applaud you. That is awesome. And trust me, I, I know um, what it's like. I have dealt personally with, uh, you know, my, my son and, and I share a little bit about it, but my son dealt with mental illness and has been, um, healed as well. Um, uh, we, you know, it, it's been a couple years since he's had an episode. So, and that's a terrible, ugly place. Mm -hmm. Even as a parent to see your child go through 
the things that he went through and I didn't even go through them, but it, it was even traumatic for me as a parent to see that, you know? And so I can only imagine what it was like being in his own mind and body. And I'm sure the same thing for you. Um, and so in mental illness, you know, in, in, in our community, like you said, you know, we, parents don't want to talk about it. Siblings don't want to talk. We don't want to talk about it. And I, I, I thank God that it's now becoming more prevalent and that people are speaking up and that people are like yourself being a voice and, and no longer hiding behind, right. you know, these masks that, that people are putting on and that it's time. That's the only way that people are going to be healed. Like we have to talk about it. We have to be a voice. We have to, you know, say, Hey, you know, I, this is what I dealt with because then that will encourage someone else to get the help that they need to seek the assistance or even to come to God and to truly leave it there. Like you did yeah. or whatever, because it's different for everybody. I mean, everybody's yeah, is. learning is different. Everybody's healing is different, but that's why we have to have community and we have to have voice, you know, to that thing. And so I'm super excited. And so now that we've, we've talked about that part, I, I want to get over into this whole destiny part and let's talk about your projects and what came out of, um, you know, this state and, and what came out of your healing and what came out of the depression, all of the, the projects and the things that you have, um, that you birthed from this. Yeah, because they birthed from that. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. It literally that's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, she had some babies from girl. She had some babies from out of this thing. Yeah, honey. <laughs> I get yes. Yeah. Um, so like I said, my destiny and depression, they went hand in hand. Um and before I was totally healed. I was still broken in a lot of areas. And so writing has always been that outlet for me. And it's just, it's always been a passion. I've literally, I've, so I've been writing since I was 12 years old. So writing something for me is, is what I call easy, but it's what other people call challenging, right? <laughs> and I've, um, that, that I mean, that also explains why I decided to get a bachelor's degree in English, because <laughs> mm -hmm. it, for me, it was the easy way out. It's like that's that that doesn't take much thought. <laughs> so, you know, why not? <laughs> and so when I wrote my first book, Prism of Me, I was still dealing with the loss of my father. And again, I didn't have a voice. I couldn't really articulate what his death meant or how it made me feel. Um, another thing that I did, another, I guess you could say a symptom or side effect to how it affected me was that I cried a lot. And so it's, oh, she's crying. Oh, there she goes. She crying again. So again, my crying and my emotions was kind of overlooked because that just became a part of my personality. Mm. And so I started writing again and cause I took a break from writing. So I wrote, like I said, all through middle school and high school, but then I kind of took a break from it. 
And when I picked it back up, it was during that time. So during that time frame that my dad was sick and during that time frame that I was getting my undergraduate degree. And I didn't think much of it. It was just, oh yeah, she's a great writer is what other people were saying, but I didn't really believe them. I was just like, what's a great writer? I mean, I'm like, is it, is that something, is that a skill? Cause I don't, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, all I do is write, so I don't know that right. it's great, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> and so I had cousins of mine saying, "Oh, you really should write a book. You should write a book." And I was laughing at them. I was like, "Write a book? Like who do that? Don't nobody write books? What are y'all talking about?" They was like, "Tiara, all you do is write." They was like, "So if you're gonna write, why you don't just write a book?" And I said, "Okay, mm. writing and writing a book is two different things." I'm writing because I'm bored or I'm writing because, you know, I just had wow. something pop in my head and I needed to put it on paper. I wasn't writing to produce anything from it. Well, at least that's what you thought. Right. That is what I thought. So <laughs> I was like, okay. And um, so then I had, this is really how it started. This was long before the books even came about. When I was in my undergraduate studies, my English professor, one of my English professors, she paid particularly close to my writing. Like she paid attention and she kept saying like, Tiara, you are an amazing writer. I'm like, here y'all go again. What are y'all talking about? Is this not what I'm in school for? I'm in school to get a degree in English. I mean, I don't know what else I'm going to do. There's nothing else for me to do with English, but write. You know something else? Because I don't. I don't know nobody that pursue a degree in English if they don't know how to write. <laughs> she was like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it from the academic perspective. She said, I'm saying you, you write in different ways that we haven't seen. And I'm like, uh, so now what? What that mean? What am I supposed to do? What are this, Is this a project? <laughs> and she said, yes, yes, it is. I'm glad you said that. So this is what I want you to do. She told me about at the time I was at Trinity Washington University and they had their own publishing company within the mm, school. Wow. And so she told me about it. She was like, every year our school publishes a book. She was like, and what they do with that book is they publish the work from the students here at the university. She was like, you really should submit something. And I'm sitting there like, submit something? Uh, what I'm submitting? My essay? <laughs> like, what, what am I submitting? And so she was like, she was doing what you were doing. She was laughing because she was like, Tiara, you know, I guess I do kind of have a sense of humor, but my humor don't be really funny to me because I be dead serious. I be trying to, I be trying to process, like I'm trying to figure out what y'all talking about. And she said, no, I'm serious. And that's when she went and first, she further explained it. She was like, so what they, they highlight artists, they highlight poets. And once they select your work, it'll be in a book form. Like your wow. name will be in a book. Your work will be published through the university. I was like, okay, because you're not going to let me down. <laughs> like you're just not going to stop. So, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And so in my mind, I was thinking, I'm going to take the easy way out. <laughs> Here we go again. The easy way out, used to, that used to work for me. I said, okay, I'm going to take the easy way out. 
I said, so she want me to write something. So I'm going to write a poem, but I'm going to choose the easiest style to write in. You know, just in case I don't get picked, I won't feel like I put that much effort in to begin with. Mm. So I wrote a poem in the style of a haiku. So I knew people, you. <laughs> I and chose haiku. haiku. Haiku is not easy. Okay. Yes, it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what that, I mean, that's that, what it, I chose to eat. To me, it was easy. So I mm-hmm. said, haiku, five, seven, five. Oh, I can do that in no time. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all I needed. I need five <laughs> syllables for line one, seven syllables for line two, and five more syllables for line three. It don't matter the topic. It don't matter. All I need is a three-line poem. Are you serious? I, that's what I'm gonna do. That's what I and that's what I did. So I wrote a poem titled "The Virgin." Lusting after love, the flesh wants to be with him. Purple flower, wait. Mm. And I submitted it, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, check that off the list. Look, not nobody gonna know what you talking about. So go on and check that off the list because you ain't about to get picked because ain't nobody gonna know what that poem is about, right? (laughs) And so I said, I ain't even like I I told her. So I went back to the school. I told my professor, I was like, yay. I said, I did it. And she said, oh, you did. What did you submit? And I told her, I said, I submitted a haiku. And she was like, really? And so I shared it with her. And she was like, wow, that's phenomenal. Phenomenal. What are you talking? You know what that is? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> she was like, yeah, that is awesome. She said, oh, Tiara, you don't even understand. <laughs> that is awesome. And I'm sitting there looking so, like, so puzzled and dumbfounded, like, oh, so that was actually good. And she was like, that was excellent. So I'm sitting there, I said, okay, well, if you said that, then I'm just going to go with what you said. I mean, I don't even know. I don't even think nobody gonna understand it. I mean, I don't even. I don't even know. So she said, "Don't worry about it. You know, when if they select it, then you'll get an email." So I'm sitting there like a couple days went by. I'm literally. I didn't think nothing of it. I'm telling you, I was. I was so like determined that I was not going to get selected. Like I was just like, "This is this is a joke. This is not for real." I got an email. Tiara Graves, we are writing to inform you that your selection, The Virgin, has been chosen to be published in the record. And I was reading that email like, what? Do y'all know? All jokes aside, y'all not finna publish that. Like, I was playing. Y'all want to publish? Like, wait, wait, y'all serious? So I'm sitting there, I'm reading the email. Then I get another email and say, congratulations on your first publication. Please come to the um, academic office and pick up your free copy of the book. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like. <laughs> I wish y'all could see her face. Yo, I'm sitting there like, is you, wait, they, is they serious? They, this is not, this is not for real. So I go get the book and I'm like, oh, oh, let me see. Like I'm slapping through the pages and I saw the poem in the book and I was like. Oh, this 
was for real. Mm, they was for real. God. Look at God. Look at God. And I just sat there like, oh, wow. And then I came home. I shared it with my family. They was just so excited. And I was just looking at everybody's excitement. I, is this really that? Was this really that great? And they like, you a published author. And I'm like, really? Wow. Am I? They was like, your name is public. Like you are published in somebody else's book. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. And so after that, that's kind of like the confidence that I needed because I really didn't believe in my work. I really didn't. Mm. I didn't think anything that I was writing was of that of a magnitude that should have been published. Wow. I didn't. For it was a hobby. It was, you know, it was just what I do. It's what I do when I'm not doing nothing else. <laughs> you know, it's it's part of who I am. But I never thought of it as me sitting here now four books later. Like mm. nobody could have ever told me that. Cause that so that poem got published in 2015. And oh that was God. a year after my dad died. Mm. Won't he do it? And I was just like, wow. So after that, it was like, okay, you can do this. So that's when my cousins, and so I had talk to my cousins about what, some of the stuff that I had already written. So Prism of Me is not it's not all new content. Mm -hmm. Prism of Me is a collection of poems that I had already written over the course of give or take 10, 15 years before Prism of Me even came out. So Prism of Me came out in 2019. So prior to that 10, 10 to 15 years before that, I had already had at least 50 entries. Wow. They was just on my computer. And about, you know, all types of top topics, all different styles of poetry. Like, I just had it all. And then, so before I started publishing, I started doing this as a way to encourage. So I started using my poetry as a way to encourage people. So mm -hmm. at my old church, I would write poems that were significant for what somebody was going through. So like I had a mentor of mine who had cancer at the time. And so I wrote a cancer piece and I write the poem for her. And then I printed it, I framed it, decorated it, and then I presented it. So this is what I did. I did this for 12 years. So I wrote poems for people and I gifted it to them. Like I never, there's no copyright on it. There's no anything. Like people don't even know that those poems even exist because again, I wasn't doing it for a book. <laughs> Like it's all like I said, writing has always been a healing mechanism for me. And so I felt like if it healed me, then it could possibly heal someone else. And so mm -hmm. I I did that for 12 years. I did it 
with different members of my church that I like if I found out something happened and they was going through something, I would just sit down and pray like, God, OK, give me the words to say. And I would present it to them the following week. Like I would find out on a Sunday and next Sunday I'm gifting them with a poem. Mm. And I, like I did that for so long. Mm-hmm. And then, so I finally was like, okay, if everybody's believing in me, why am I not believing in myself? So I said, okay, I'm going to take this leap of faith and I'm going to publish this book. And when it came out, I was still kind of in shock. I was like, wait, wait, is that, that's my name on that book? Oh, okay. And that book, so that book, when it came out in 2019, I sold out the day of my release party. Wow. Come on here, God. I was like, what? So then in my head, I was like, yeah, okay. They only bought that because they know me. <laughs> oh, goodness. Like, man. they yes. just bought that because they my family and my friends. Like, they just doing that because they know me, right? That's what I was thinking. I'm like, realistically, like, would I really have sold out if this was a bunch of strangers? So, again, mm. try the spirit by the spirit, right? Mm. So, I, God said, okay, she still don't believe it. Well, I'm going to use her in a dark place. So, this is the dark place that we were talking about earlier. When I wrote my second book, A New Twist on Old Traditions, I Love was it. in a manic episode, like fully, fully in a manic episode. And I was sitting at work. It was my lunch break. And like I'm sitting here talking to you, I was sitting there in my classroom talking to God out loud. And I said, I hope don't nobody come in my classroom this day because they're going to say, Tierra lost all the screws that she has left okay <laughs> i was saying don't nobody open that door just don't open that door today just let me have my lunch break by myself because i'm telling y'all if y'all walk through that door y'all not gonna understand the encounter that i'm under right now and so i'm sitting there at work and god's literally it was god he said write another book and i looked I was looking around. <laughs> Write another book. Another one. And that book ain't been out a year. You want me to write another one? And that's what I was saying. I'm telling you, the way I'm sitting here talking to you, this is how I was talking to God at work. All right, God. Write another book, you say. How am I supposed to do that? He said, I'm going to tell you. and i'm looking i'm hearing i'm literally this voice was as loud as our voices are right now and i'm i'm telling you i'm sitting at work while this is going on on my lunch break he i'm gonna tell you how to write it i got on the computer and i started writing it i i wrote the whole the whole entire layout of book two i mean the introduction the title the contents, like the table of contents, every title for every poem. I wrote all of that on my lunch break. 
Mm. It was like, I'm serious. It was this was an experience that I, <laughs> I that words can't even express the real experience that I went through with God mm. about this book. Cause I wasn't about to write nothing. Mm, mm, and God mm. was like, yes, you are. You're going to write another book and this is how you're going to write it. And then this is what you're going to talk about. And another thing, this is the key to it all is how I knew that it was not me and that it was God. I do not pick titles first. I write my poem first and then I go back and come up with a title. Absolutely. God gave me 49 <laughs> titles that day while I was sitting at work on my lunch break. Wow. And I yeah. sat in front of the computer. I just started typing. I just started typing. I was like, oh, I, oh, typing. Oh, you want me to say that? Oh, you sure you want me to say that? Oh, okay. Dang, you ain't got to say it again. I heard you the first mm. time. And I'm just typing. Typing away. I look up. My kids came in. I had to act like none of that happened. I teach my last class of the day. Go get this, you know, class over, school out. And I'm still sitting there like, wow, what a lunch break. And so I get mm -hmm. home and I'm still looking at everything. So I typed out everything and I sent it to myself. I got home. I opened it again and I'm sitting there looking at it like, you really want me to write this? This is what I'm writing. Wait, what? Oh, okay. Uh, all right. I guess I'm writing it. And so it was spring break. I will never forget it. All of that happened the week before spring break. I didn't look at it no more after that day. So after that day, came home, looked at it that night. And after that, I didn't look at it no more. The following week, we was on spring break. And God said, write your book. When he said now, write it now, write it now, write it now. And I was like, now, like now, like while well, I'm on spring break, I'm supposed to write a book now. When I tell you it was nobody but the hand of God, I wrote my second book in one week. Mm. Brand new content. I I it was none of them poems, is nothing that I've ever written. It wasn't no save file on my computer. None of that. I wrote 49 brand new pieces in one week. Not to mention, this book was completed the same year Prism of Me came out. I just didn't release it because God told me not to. Come on here. <clears throat> mm. And I then when he said he gave me the green light to release it, I released it in 2020. But my second book was finished in 2019 before Prism of Me was finished. Wow. I wrote I wrote new, a new twist on old traditions in during spring break. So that's April of 2019. Prism of Me came out May 2019. Amazing. And I was in a manic episode. When I say manic, I mean manic. I didn't, like, I would write something, and I, my mother can attest to this because she watched me when I wrote that book. I would write something, and I would run in the room where she was like, Ma, girl, you gotta hit it. And then I read it to her, and she's like, oh my God, that's amazing. Alright, bye, I gotta go write something else. And I run back in the room and write something else. I did that for a whole week. 
no sleep. Because we was on break. So it was like, God was like, you don't need no sleep. You're on break anyway. Mm, mm, mm. So that's what I did. <coughs> I wrote that book oh in a goodness. week. And so after I submitted that book to the publisher, she just was like astounded. Like she was just like, I cannot believe this. Like she was like, I thought the first book was like, <laughs> the first book was epic, you know, in her opinion. But when she saw the second book, she was just like, T. Everybody called me T. She was like, T. I don't even think you understand the level of anointing that's on your writing. Like, I don't think you understand it. Like, you don't understand that what God is using you to do and say through your books. And so she said, we got to do this. She was like, you got to write a part two or something. And I was like, what? Dude, what? What is, what? Yeah, when I'm asleep. She was like, you can sleep when you finish. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. So now what? She said, you need to write a workbook. And I was like, a workbook? I ain't never wrote no workbook. I said, what's a workbook? She said, your second book need a workbook to go with. I said, so what is that? I said, okay, workbook, meaning work. I said, so you want me to write some that people will pick up and purchase to make them do some work? She was like, yeah, that's it. That's the concept. I said, okay. I said, how long does work have to be? She was like, well... At least 32 pages. I said 32 pages. 32 pages. That's like writing a dissertation. <laughs> what? I said, okay, okay. I'm sitting there, so I tell my mother. I'm like, mom, she want me to write another book. She was like, write another book. She said, that book ain't even out yet. I said, I know, but she want to drop both of these books together. She want me to write something else to go with this. My mother was like, well, get the writing. And I'm like, seriously? I said, okay. So I stopped. I said, let me let me get myself together. Let me compose myself. And I started praying. I was like, look, God, there's a project from my publisher. But whatever I do is what you say. Mm, come on now. I said, so is this the route that we taking? And it was like, yes, write the workbook. Right. Oh my goodness. Okay, here we go. Write a workbook. I wrote my workbook in three hours. Hmm. From cover to end, three hours, sent this to the publisher. Both books dropped July 2020. But you don't have a gift. That's what you at least that's what you thought. That's what you I, thought. That's, that's what I thought. Right. That is what I thought. I just thought it was something that i use it's my tool like people have their their things you know that they do that help them get better or that help them cope it was my thing so i'm like now i gotta use my thing to help somebody else mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it was yes. like yeah that that's that's how it works that's one, that yeah that's one how, peter that's four and ten one peter four and ten one peter four and ten <laughs> one peter four and ten yeah like that's what it is. And so I was mm -hmm. like, okay. So then, but the true, the whole thing, like to bring it all in about how 
destiny to healing. I mean, depression to destiny was when I wrote my fourth book. Because by then, remember, I was still sitting there waiting for God to prove himself. So God, if you're going to heal me, show me. Because remember, I don't have no doctors and I don't have no medicine. Mm. So if you're going to heal me, show me. And he was like, okay. And so, so I my fourth book, Depression Before T, Journey A through Z. And in that book, I actually go step by step using the alphabet of what depression looked like for me. Mm. And that's when God confirmed, now it's time to tell your story. Now you can talk about depression. Now you can talk about being healed. Now you can tell the people what I did. Wow. And how I did it. Mm. And I was like, oh. So when I wrote, yeah, so I wrote the fourth book. The early part of this year. So January-ish, the beginning of the year. So I wrote the fourth book. Give or take three months. Because, and I could have wrote it sooner. But I was I was really waiting because I was just like, no, something's about to happen. Something is going to go off. Like, I'm going to go off. I'm just waiting for a moment for me to just go off. And it hasn't happened. I'm, I'm looking for a trigger. I'm looking for, you know, I'm looking for something. I'm just like, there's nothing. Mm. And oh the moment God. I started writing that book, I've been in this place of true peace. Like it's just been this peace, this air around me. And it's like, okay. Oh, so this is how you prove yourself to me. He was like, yes. Cause remember you said you ain't have a voice. Well, I just restored mm. it. <gasps> Woo. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Remember you said you don't have no medicine. Well, you don't need it. Mm. Okay. Remember you said you didn't have no doctor and no therapist and no counselors and none of that. You said you didn't have none of them people. Well, that's who I've been with you all the way. Mm. And I'm like, so that's all it took? All it took was for me to walk away from all of them people? Was that Ooh. really what, was that the answer? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So say that again to walk away from some people. I mm. mean, literally, walk away. I walked the I walked away from it all. Like I walked away from it all. And I was just like, okay. No looking back. All right, God, no turning back. Let's do this thing. Let's ride it to the wheels fall off. And seriously, I have not had this level of calmness, this level of peace, just this, I mean, I truly now can say that I have a sense of really what living is. 
because for all of those mm. years, I was just existing. Wow. And it has mm. nothing to do with how many books I publish or how many poems I write. It has everything to do with my relationship with God, me fully committing my life and everything over to him and let him do the work in me that he started a long time ago. Poetry is just a part of it. Mm. What I was born to do. Hello. According to they Jeremiah said, right. 1 and 5. Your you gift boy, will you make room for you. It will make room for and you. Yes, your gift. That is the mm. part that people miss. Your gift will make room for you. Not your college degree. Ooh. Not your bank account. Mm. Not your family. Not your husband. Not your wives. Not your children. You know, not your career, not your job, not your co-workers. None of that matters. Like all of that stuff is put here on earth for us to have a productive life just as human beings. But the part of you that God really wants to use in you for the upbuilding of the kingdom is your gift. It's the part of you that makes you different from everybody mm. else. Wow. Come on here now. Woo. That's the whole word right there, hunting, hunting. Yes, come on and give it to him. Did y'all hear that? Make sure you go back and rewind and listen to that part again. I don't care what yes, it is. Yes, it's the gift. Ooh, it is, it's the gift. I have a great job. I'm a teacher. I have a great income. I have a great church family. I have a, a phenomenal pastor. But none of that is gonna come together full force. And so I allow God to use my gifts. Mm. Everybody brings something to the table. We're one body in Christ. One body. Mm. So that means my body connects to your body. And our gifts connect to other people. And we just keep connecting the gifts. Mm. Come and on, that's man. how I reach one. Say one, say one. Mm-hmm. Because I can't have the eye without the ear. I can't have the ear without the nose. Can't have the right. mouth. Right. Oh, the headphone connected to the jawbone. Like y'all work that in elementary school. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could sing, but I can't. But I can't. I mean, but that's so what they true. said. Yes. Yes. Head, shoulders, oh. knees, and toes. Y'all better act like y'all know. <laughs> I know you better know that God will make room for your gift. Hello, right. I don't, I don't care what that gift is. He it don't matter you. what that gift is because yes. that's your gift. That's your gift. That's and bring your you gift. Different. Yes, bring, and bring your, your gift to the table. Just like He gave it to you. Don't matter that's what right. nobody say. Just bring your gift. That's why I bring this preaking to the table, honey, because he right. gave it to me. Because ain't, ain't, hello, ain't no nothing about no preaking. What, what? And even people be like, preaking? What does that mean? I'm going to Google that. We're going and Googling, honey, because when you Google it, guess what you're going to see? You're going to see me because I made I it up. That's right. <laughs> we made it up. You're going to go on and Google it. You're going to see your jet. Let's like this. I know that's go, right. Go on and look that's it up. That's right. I mean, I and everything it. God gives us, that's what he gives us. Everything is intentional. He don't want us to come up with a, a name that's already out there. Like you said, mm. preaking, you created it. That's because that's what God gave you. Ain't no other preaking out here. It's a <laughs> bunch of preachers. 
<laughs> but we already know they already out there. They already exist. But how many exactly. of y'all out here preaking for mm, the kingdom? Preaking for the king. Well, thank you, my sister. Ooh, exactly. That's right. Amen. Yeah, it's it's what's up. And I love how he he gives it to us all differently. You know what I mean? And I mean, I'm an author too, and I'm and I dabble in poetry, but that's not, you know, I do it. That's my passion. That's things that I love to do, writing as well. But that's not what he created me to do. And yes, I'm going to reach some people through my writing and things like that, but I'm not going to reach the same people that you're going to reach. You know what I mean? Because it's just different. And I love that. But like you said, we can all come together. We can collaborate. And there's plenty of room for our gifts, each and every one of us. And yeah. so I just want people to know that, like, step into your gift, step into that. Go, go on and read that one, one Peter 4 and 10. Okay. Read it over and over again. And then go on and turn over to Jeremiah 1 and 5. Because those two right there, I stand on that as I am in this journey of living out what God has created just for me. And so yeah. it's awesome. And so I, I thank you. And, and I always ask my guests this question as we're coming down, what does prayer mean to you? Prayer is a conversation between me and my heavenly father. And it's something that all of us should practice and do intentionally. Because mm. that is the gateway that opens the blessings to come out. You have not because you ask not. Mm. That's one of my favorites too, girl. Don't come on now. She all over my stuff today. Go on so, in here. <laughs> God wants to hear your voice. It's okay for the people, you know, everybody has prayer warriors and people that's praying on your behalf. That is great. That is awesome that you have people praying on your behalf. But are you praying on your behalf? Because some mm -hmm. stuff only going to unlock from your voice. They can pray on your behalf from now until Jesus return. And if you don't never open your mouth and pray on your own behalf, you're going to still be sitting here in the same place waiting on Jesus to return. And he's going to return and you're going to still be in that same mess that he could have got you out of, but you ain't open your mouth and ask him. So when I stood in that parking lot and I said, God, do this, this, the this I was talking about was getting me out of all of this. <laughs> Because I'm not depressed. I'm not bipolar. I don't have anxiety disorder. I don't have panic attack. So all of those labels that doctors have placed on me, I need you to get me out of this. Because mm. a lot of people been praying on my behalf for a long time, and I'm still in it. So mm. why I'm still in it? Because I ain't pray myself out of it. Hmm. That's a whole word. My goodness. All right. I, that's a. It, you don't have to. Like God. God understands his children. He knows each and every one of us. I don't have to stand over a pulpit. I don't have to do any of that. I can go to God in my. What they say? In my own little corner. In my own little chair. Mm. That's my song. I did. You know, by the way, you know, I do have a sense of humor. But in my <laughs> second book. <laughs> In my second book, I had to do a twist on Cinderella. Girl, in my own little chair, in my own little corner, in my own little chair. 
Child, I could be whatever I want to be, honey. And I was being whatever I wanted to be, okay? And I had to go ahead and, yeah, but God, God gave me a nice little spin on that. Remember, all my work is through a spiritual lens. Don't get it mm-hmm. twisted. So, Roger mm. Hammerstein was good, but Jesus is better. Ooh. I'm just telling you. Come on here now. Because I was in my room. own little corner. In my own little chair, okay? <laughs> Asking God, who do he want me to be, for real? Yeah. Who do you want me to be? Because yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't even know at this point. Mm. I was going to work every day, teaching English every day, teaching lessons after lessons after lessons. And I'm still sitting there like, in my own little corner, in my own little chair. Mm. And I'm looking around. I can be who I want to be. Well, I don't want to be who I want to be. I want to be who God called me to be. How about that? Mm. Mm. And once I figured that part out, once I figured out that I'm walking in the destiny that God has orchestrated and ordained for my life, that's the peace. That's the healing. That's the destiny. Mm. My goodness. All right. We can leave that right there. You can leave that right. Stick a pin in that and leave then it. Then drop right the on. mic. And drop the mic. <laughs> like we can drop the mic right there. That's it. I think, listen here. I thank you. This has that's been. That's it and that's it and that's all. And that's all. What Russell used to say, thank you for coming out. Thanks for coming out. How Russell used to say it at the end of, thanks for coming. Good night. Thanks for coming out. And we walk on. That's like right. This. That's it right there. <laughs> well, I thank you, Tierra. I'm telling you, we could talk forever because she has so much and she's so powerful and we, we could talk forever. I have to end though, you know, I, I can't end without doing my Bible trivia. I don't know if you listen to some of the other podcast episodes, but when I met her initially, she was like, oh, and we did Bible trivia on the first time I met her. She was like, oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. So I know she's not <laughs> even going to flinch. Usually when I say that to Yara, my guests are like, Shh, like we on the cell phone or something. I can't hear you. The connection, all that damn. I'm like, nah, you can hear me. You you can hear me. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, here we go. Bible trivia question. Where, and it's multiple choice. So, where did God give Moses the Ten Commandments? A, Mount Zion. B, Mount Sinai, C, the Mount of Olives, or D, Mount Carmel? What was the first one? Mount Zion. Mount Zion. Zion. Okay. Mount Sinai is B. Uh huh. Olives, olives, C, and Mount Carmel. Well, some people say caramel, caramel. Mount Carmel is D. Okay. Oh shoot! I think (laughs) (laughs) she's like, oh shoot! Oh man! I gotta stop. (laughs) Yeah, you do. I'm like. 
It's all good. Mount Sinai. Yes, you got it right. Come on. See, she be playing. She knew the answer. She's talking about, yes, that is it. B, Mount Sinai. That is correct. That is correct. Ding, 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 ding. And they I sang think... a hymn and they went out to the mount called Olive. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. I think I've been, for the past couple episodes, people been getting them right. So, yes, that was, yes, that is where it is. So, but once again, like I said, I thank you. I want you, before we go, a couple things. Tell everybody what's next for you. Please give your contact information in the name of your books, all of that, how they can get that. And then give us some final words. I always like to leave the audience with some final words from from our guests to just encourage someone, to inspire someone, whatever it is that your heart leads you to say. And so start with what's next, your contact information, and then your final words. We'll do it in that order. Okay, so what's next? I am currently enrolled in Grand Canyon University. I am getting a master's degree in education. So I'm excited about that. Um, and... My newest book, Depression Before T, Journey A through Z, is going to be released next month. So I'm excited about that. I just officially selected my cover on yesterday. So I'm excited. Um, And I am also working on my autobiography. Mm. So my autobiography is Life Through the Amethyst Eyes. So look for that. I'm not saying when, because okay. I kind of want to take a break from writing, but whatever the Lord says, I shall do. All right. And how can people get in touch with you? So I am on book? Instagram and Facebook at Books by T. Um, also, my website is up and running. It is www.booksbyt.com. So all of my information if you don't see it on social media, you definitely find out everything on my website. And tell them how you spell T, because there's different ways. Oh, T-E-A. Thank you. So mm-hmm. books, B-O-O-K-S, by, B-Y, and then T-E-A. Exactly. So that is where I'm at on Facebook and Instagram. And final thoughts? Final yes. Final thoughts, final words, whatever you want to leave with the audience. My final thoughts is what I constantly say this all the time. And I should have coined it, but I haven't. But maybe I'm just going to let y'all have this one. (laughs) I'm just going to let y'all have this one for free. You can still coin it, but go ahead. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and let y'all have this one for free. (laughs) When your purpose outweighs the cost, that is very viable. This is something that I live by because people think of a cost, like a physical cost or like an amount, but it's a physical cost. It's a financial cost. It's a mental cost. But everything that it costs you will outweigh the purpose. So your purpose is always going to be greater than what it costs you. So I don't dwell on the cost, the 10 years, the 15 years, none of that matters because where I'm at today is I'm walking in my purpose. And none of that would have been achieved 
if it had not cost me something. So it cost me family. It cost me friends. It cost me a full academic scholarship. Mm. It cost me having to pay for college for undergraduate myself. But my purpose was so much stronger that I overlooked what it was costing me. It cost my mental state. It cost me going from doctor to doctor, therapist to therapist. It cost me being on three and four different medications at one time. It cost me not having a voice. It cost me isolation from a lot of people. Hmm. But all of it was orchestrated and destined by God. And I had to go through it in order to tell it. So I sit here now living to tell it all about the great work that God started in me and what he continues to do in me daily. So I hope that something I said, something that you heard will bless you and encourage you all to fight on one more day. Awesome. So walk in purpose on purpose. Yes. I love it. I love it. You can drop the mic again right there. So I, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for taking this time to sit down and chit chat with your girl, a Georgette, AKA the preaker. I do not thank take you so lightly. Much. I, I thank you. You could be doing uh, other, you could be writing, you could be doing so many other things. So I thank God for continuing to put people in my path to be able to sit down and just to hear their story because that's what it's all about. And then that we reach someone else that they can have their voice, that they can be heard, that they can be healed, that they can be heard and healed. Mm, I just came up with that. So thank you God, <laughs> for that dropping that in my spirit. So yeah, but that's what it's all about. And then using these gifts and, and having fun and showing people, what did you say from a new twist on old traditions that you know, a new twist on old traditions? Yes, that everything doesn't have to be so stringent and traditional. And God, what we just say, He makes what He makes room for all of our gifts, how He gives it to us, as long as we know that it's orchestrated by Him. So all right, y'all. Well, I thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for tuning in with another episode of Praying and Preaking with your girl, Georgette, a.k.a. The Preaker. And like I always say, I'm out and I will see y'all next time. Y'all know what I hit y'all with that. Deuces! And I'll see y'all in the next episode. Bye! Bye! Lord, put your prayers up. Prayers up. Yeah, prayers up.